but literally and then so charlie sleeps in like the loft and then you like there's a shot of him like looking out the top of the the house and there's like a giant hole in the house on the roof and i'm like wouldn't charlie literally freeze to death like i don't understand this is wild it doesn't matter um it does matter Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Theater Nerds. I'm your host, Rachel Jones. And I'm your other host, Taylor Reed. Theater Nerds is a podcast about our obsessions with theater, where we will explore all aspects of theater, musicals, and everything in between. This podcast is not set up to be a deep dive into technique or theater history, but we're hopeful that no matter if you're an enthusiast like us, or if you've only seen your Oompa Loompa's production of MJ the Musical Jr., you'll enjoy this podcast. So cue the orchestra and come nerd out with us. In case you guys didn't know, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. That's right. You can and you should leave us a star rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. To find out more about this theater nerd cult that we're all a part of, check us out at theaternerdpod.com, or you can also find us on Instagram and threads at theaternerdpod, and on Facebook at theaternerdpodcast. In today's episode, we're discussing Harley and the Chocolate Factory. All right, Taylor. Rachel. 96. Here we are. Ni- 96. <laughs> you guys have put up with us for 96 episodes. Pretty and impressive. Yeah. It is ve- I think it's very impressive. We're still kicking. We're almost, you know, like we said last week, we're on the Polar Express going towards 100. The Polar <laughs> Express. Yeah. Yeah. We're with all the Tom Hanks characters. Every Tom Hanks character. Yeah. yeah. Every time, wow, that would be a, a lot. Wow, Wilson. Oh, well, he's not played by, but, yeah, I was Tom like, Hanks. Wilson's not him. I'm although, I mean, in, he's not, not to be clear. I would not be surprised if in our lifetime there is a castaway musical that would be so fun. Yeah, the pup, there can be a puppet, Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> Rachel's, Rachel's holding her head with her hand, but I know she's excited about it because she loves puppets. Uh, it's yeah. amazing so thank you all for putting up with our longest episode ever last week this week is going to be shorter hopefully yeah, yeah we'll see we'll see um i love a i love a three-hour podcast so you are the only person <laughs> no there are many 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 people that listen to long podcasts i will say i'm like if it's over 45 minutes it's not happening for me <laughs> yeah yeah so rachel didn't listen to last week <laughs> Nope. <laughs> no. But we had so much fun. I hope you guys enjoyed yeah. Rachel's Tales in New York. And um, <laughs> a segment we'll be doing once a year on the podcast. Maybe twice a year if we were lucky. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Um, but this week, of course, we're continuing our Willy Wonka, our, our, our journey into the chocolate factory. And 
going into a more twisted chocolate factory, maybe a more dark chocolate factory. Is it? Yeah. I, it's definitely a little bit darker. That's all I like, like light wise. Visually. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Visually. Right. Um, we're going to talk all about Charlie and the chocolate factory, not Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory, but Charlie yes. and the chocolate factory. But, um, but the movie, not the book. Yes, the, and not the musical. And not the musical. <laughs> yeah. And not the redone musical. Co- correct. <laughs> so many adaptations of this story. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and none of them the sequel book. So will we ever get that one day? Who knows? Um, it's, it's a combination. This one is a little bit of it's true. the glass elevator. It's true. Yeah. A little. And then yeah. for those that are just tuning in, if you guys don't know, next week we will be... La La Blanding, deep diving, the one, the only, Timothy Chalamet. No, <laughs> just Timothy yes. Chalamet. Yes, <laughs> just Timothy Chalamet. Um, Please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wonka, the, the, the most anticipated movie of the holiday season, I would say. But Not honestly, Well, that's after the holidays. That's coming after. So I would actually say that people are excited for Color Purple. Like, the reviews are really good. People are getting hyped for that. So yeah, people are getting hyped. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for more Timothy Chalamet discussions. But first next we week. have next week. That's right. But first we have to, of course, do our weekly current Broadway theater news segment. What's the buzz? What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. 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 What's the buzz? I'm not a simple buzz. <laughs> I listened to SpongeBob a little bit today. So, <laughs> so good because it's a, one of the best musicals ever. I will mm-hmm. stand by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Underrated. Yep. One of Rachel's top four, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely underrated. It's in, it's yeah. in my top 10, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. For yeah. now, I mean, relatively. Yeah. yeah. Um, lots of buzz this week. I just kept, and we even got one literally minutes before we started recording. There's the oh the second to last one, Rachel. Literally, um, literally, like I was typing the buzz, oh. and it literally just appeared on Broadway World. So not a sponsor, Broadway World, but thank you for all this buzz. First off, very exciting, Alicia Keys. Yeah, that's crazy. Alicia Keys' new musical, Hell's Kitchen is transferring to Broadway March 2024 at the Schubert Theater, and it's directed by Michael Greif, which, if you don't know, Rent, Next to Normal. Um, I almost, my brain, again, is not working today, and I almost said Little Women. <laughs> I wow. Wish, Could I you wish Michael Greif directed Little Women. Um, Dear Evan Hansen. And then also like The that? Notebook in Chicago, but I don't know if he's going to do this. Guess the notebook that's not Broadway. gonna be transferring. Hmm. Hmm. No, it is transferring. I just don't know if my is Quebec it is it the same time? Yeah, they're both premiering in the spring. We've talked oh, about they're this. both in the spring. Yeah. I mean, I guess like Casey Nicola had two shows on Broadway at once. Yeah, but he wasn't yeah. the director of both, right? He wasn't he the was. full director. He the, was the, the choreographer of one. Oh yeah, that's true. And well, the mean director of the other, and then right? the. Mean Girls, and then the the one with Patti LuPone and that other War something. You know oh, what I'm talking War about? Horse. No, not War Horse. 
I don't it was, know. It was like Diva Wars or something. No, it wasn't Diva what Wars. What are you but... saying? No, no. This is an actual Broadway show. I just don't. I'm looking it up right now. I'll get back to you. But anyway, this is very exciting. I'm excited about this. Um, just so many, so many shows are opening on Broadway in the spring. It's crazy. It's our, true. Our summer theater preview is just going to be all Broadway. Or our spring theater preview is going to be all Broadway. It is true, and yet there are still many theaters dark, so we'll see what, what continues to happen. But yes, Again, we're excited for Hell's yeah. Kitchen. This makes me wonder mm. if um, Here We Are is about to transfer, announce a transfer to Broadway. Oh, that would be amazing. So, and then, and then again, and if anything from the New York City Center transfers, I've said this before that we could get a best if here we are transfers, we can get a best new musical and when revival. and revival merely we roll along. So I will, as an aside, say War Paint had... is the musical that War was on Paint. in 20 War Paint. in 2016. Okay, I will, yeah. as a, an aside, say I've heard that here we are doesn't yet have a full second act like fully actualized with a good music which right. is apparently very Stephen Sondheim where he would write the second act as it was previewing because he didn't like see what mm-hmm. he was seeing on stage and it helped inspire him under pressure that. um so i mm. i do wonder if it will transfer but anyway we're excited for hell's kitchen yes so exciting and again i think we've talked about this maybe a couple weeks ago where like there's not that many plays premiering in the spring. We've gotten so many musicals, but not many plays. So yeah. just want to shout that out. Yeah, just shouting that out. Yeah. What else we got, Rachel? Allie Lewis Borsky. We're gonna go with that. that. He's going to okay. reprise his role and star as Tommy in the Who's Tommy on Broadway. So great. Excited and for has- him. Has he, this is his Broadway debut, is that right? I think so. But we're really excited. I love the Who's Tommy. I'm very excited mm-hmm. to um, yes. see this transfer. Well, you saw this production. This is the Kennedy Center production, isn't it? That's transferring? No, this is the Chicago production. Oh, Chicago production. Okay. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, I, I'm both not surprised by this next piece of buzz and surprised. What you said, and I was like, I'm surprised. I am taken aback. I'm not surprised because it's doing so incredibly well. And by this, we're talking about merely we roll along the smash hit, another Sondheim smash hit revival. Um, yeah. We've had four Sondheim revivals on Broadway in the past two years. We've had. Just a recount for everyone. We've had Company. We've had Into the Woods. We've had Sweeney Todd and Merrily Roll Along. That is wild. And they've all been successful. I mean, they've all won. I mean, I guess Merrily hasn't won Tony's yet. I guess Into the Woods didn't win a Tony, did it? Uh, No, but it was. Uh, I was just going to say they all won Tony's. And, but Sweeney won production design, I think, or lighting or something. Um. But this will, I, I have no doubt this will win a Tony. Merrily Rolling, I, I, is that even surprising? It will win a Tony. Anyway, extending through July 2024 on Broadway. Again, it's so successful right now. Like, it's selling out so, it had already had an extension until March, and now it's extending even more. Um, and again, just like Into the Woods, it just kept extending. Like, people were just... Wanting to go back to see Sondheim. I want them to do a little 
tour though yes with with all three stars that would be amazing that would be crazy i don't know if daniel would go because he just had a baby but i I don't know i don't know i don't know if any of them would go but i will say it would be really nice to have it even if it wasn't them to have a tour of this next we have of course 2024 the year of the wicked movie finally coming out um wicked wicked part two which will come in 2025 jesus hey it sounds far away but it's only three years from now so um we'll have a new president by then so wicked part two movie will feature two new songs from steven schwartz which does not surprise me because if the first movie is going to be act one act two is the act that would need more songs so unless we just did the whiz <laughs> the whiz is coming to broadway that has that's its time that's its time we need a movie again a, oh, wait, a, a new whiz movie yeah yeah i mean i wouldn't be supp- if the whiz revival does well we could get a new movie so alternatively we could just move into the next movie that's happening as the end of the week. This is so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be amazing. I wish. Amazing. I wish this star was in the Wicked movie. <laughs> what would they play? <laughs> Doctor Doolittle, <Gilliman>, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> or Madame Marvel, I guess. Yeah, um, I Jennifer best. Lopez, J Lo herself. It, will uh, this is my will Ben Affleck be in this movie? <laughs> I hope not. Jennifer Lopez is going to star in Kiss of the Spider Woman, the film adaptation. I wonder if this will get made. That's my first comment. And second, um, being directed by Dream Girls and Beauty and the Beast director Bill Condon. (laughs) I just wanted to add that little flair in there. I have a question. Who's Mm -hmm. producing this? Who's Ben Platt is producing it. No, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay. I don't know. I, again, is this gonna? This is just this. I saw when this was announced. I was like, this is the most random thing. In I the really thought world. I was being punked. Yeah. And of course, originated by Cheetah Rivera. <laughs> so Lest we I guess, forget. I guess J Lo is the modern day Cheetah Rivera. I don't know. <laughs> Where is Ariana DeVos? That would be great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she's Hispanic. There we go. Why don't whatever. Oh man. Why don't you just tell him the next piece of buzz? Because I know you're I can't. I really yeah. can't with mm-hmm. the, the, the yeah. kiss of the spider woman. Okay. Yeah. The next one was amazing. Also, once again, I thought that the Holly I thought that the writer strike and the actor strike would really change how we do casting but it's clearly still not changing how we do casting but broadway is thriving right now so broadway is i i don't know if it's thriving i this is where i think i differ from you taylor like i don't think it's thriving i think that there are i think that it's i mean you were there more recently than me so was it thriving no there are many dark theaters that's what i'm saying like theaters where right. it's like i don't know what's gonna be in there next but like, there's so just, like, much stuff coming in the spring like there are so many theaters like it's just i i don't i don't think that it's as thriving as people think it's, it's mm-hmm. thriving anyway it's better than not having theater which is where we were because of COVID. all right. of this to say Heartstoppers joe Locke is gonna make his broadway debut in Sweeney Todd as Tobias. Yeah, very exciting. 
That's crazy. Also, I can't with Sweeney Todd. His link to Patty Lapone is that he's going to be in the new Agatha Marvel show, and Patty Lapone and Aubrey Plaza, who live together, are also going to be in that show. Who so, live together? A very so, important piece of. So we need like a three-person sitcom apartment with Joe Locke, Patty Lapone, and Aubrey Plaza. That's what we need. Yeah. Well, he will be with Sutton and Aaron, so that'll be exciting. Yes, yes, that'll be. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. that will be really exciting. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very different dynamics than what's currently existing. So. <laughs> very different. Yeah. But they're really just trying to but, sell this show in a different way. And they're really just getting two young Netflix stars, <laughs> with Gaten and Joe Long. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to play Toby. Um. And as I said earlier, minutes before we started recording, we got this buzz. Waitress, the pro shot, which is in theaters now. Have you seen, you did not you have not seen it? No. no. Okay. The pro shot. I've thought about going, but I have to pay for it because it's not included in my because it's like its own separate thing. It's yeah. not included in my movie subscription, so I was like, screw that. <laughs> like, no, but yeah, but it is going to become available on streaming and video on demand. But there's no release date yet, so no one knows. But, it's going to be Christmas Day, Taylor. Oh, that would be great. But I, I read on the uh, the Broadway World um, link has a link, and it takes you to Amazon where you can pre-order it. So. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. Very exciting. And, of course, we'll be wa- – I mean, I'll be watching this whenever I can. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think It'll it's going to – I mean, I think – You've seen it, though, right, live? Yeah, I've seen it. But uh, there's something about a pro shot. Remember when Come From Away, also I hadn't right. seen that, was on, Is it's still on, I assume, Apple TV. It was yeah. so great. It's so great. It's, it's just, so it gives you good. something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rachel, let's talk about our picks last. Picks, 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 picks. Okay, we got picks of Betty Boop, the musical, which is looking really good. Low-key yeah, it is. They've done some really good marketing, um, which mm-hmm. is releasing two of the songs and some of the videos of the mm-hmm. of that song ahead of time from their marketing team, which I yeah. think, once again, we want to know what we're buying into. We want to be intrigued and just right. enough, and I think it's going really well. Yeah. The pics and the videos look so – they actually look mm-hmm. so good. I think this will um, transfer fall. This will transfer. Yeah. I think summer or fall. I don't think it's going to come in the spring because that's too soon. I don't know, Taylor. Sure. I don't know. We got pics of The Wiz. Part two of Wicked, The Wiz. (laughs) We got pics of How to Dance in Ohio. Mm, They're so good. Yes, which was so good. Mm -hmm. Um, We got pics of this, and I was like, Taylor, you need to go for me. I know. Um, I want to go so badly. uh, We got pics of Swept Away at Arena Stage featuring none other than John Gallagher Jr. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We got pics of Fiddler on the Roof at Paper Mill Playhouse, which is wild. It so looks wild. so good. Yeah. And we also have a picture of Jordan Fisher in Hades Town and some audio <laughs> of him. Yeah, he looks really good. I mix I mean, he I think he fits right in with that musical. So it's his aesthetic. I yeah. don't know. But yeah, glad yeah. he's there. Glad he's doing well. Glad he's getting work. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Now we transition to our main course. Main course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, La La Bland, our series where we look back on movie musicals, question mark this movie musical, but, you know, movie musicals, and say, hmm, what what was that like? (laughs) And, uh, of course, La La Bland invoking one of, in my opinion, one of the greatest movie musicals. What you don't you don't agree? You do no, not agree. Do not oh my agree. gosh, one day we'll get here. Uh La La Land, of course. So when I pitched Rachel, I pitched Rachel many titles for this series. And La La Bland was the best one we could come up with. So I forgot what some of the other ones were. But I know. We, we should go back to our text chain about it. No. Next time we for Wonka, I'll look back and then I'll I'll yes. read them out. Okay. Read them out. But of course, we are kind of bookmarking this year on some Lala Blends because our first one in the beginning of the year was yeah. Les Mis. And then we're ending it, not officially ending because we'll have one more episode, but ending the year with Wonka. So that's that's really fun. That's fun. Yeah. It is fun. We love a bookmark moment here. But of course, this week, full circle, full, full freaking circle, we are talking about the 2005 musical fantasy film. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, based on the Roald Dahl book. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, that's right. Um, this and was really, a little bit of the glass elevator. Yeah, just like a sliver. And a little bit of some addition parental trauma. <laughs> yeah, which we love. Um, we love on this show. Uh, this movie was released July 15th, 2005. That's crazy. I know. We were nine years old. I had just turned nine. You had just turned nine. Yeah. Um, do you remember what do you remember seeing this? Did you see it in theaters? Do you remember? I I can't remember. I tried I to remember and now I, I can't remember. I do recall owning the DVD mm-hmm. and watching it yeah. frequently and it had yeah. like this cool case on the outside. That had like a weird, like purpley color that was kind of like metallic y. And like, did it have that thing where if you like move it from side to side, it changed? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And um, I do remember that. Uh Um, I don't remember the first time I watched this movie or where I was or who (laughs) I was with. Yeah. Well, certainly we were a child. And, um, I remember weirdly, like the all the kids and maybe Johnny Depp. I don't remember if Johnny Depp was there. And I tried to find this on YouTube, but I could not. Did a whole like thing on the Today Show. Like they all went on the Today Show oh. to promote the film, and it was um, a very big deal because this obviously the original is so iconic, and. This, it was a big about. deal, yeah, as we talked about last week. And this um, was a big deal, though. They were remaking one. And Tim Burton and Johnny Depp, I, I would argue, were, like, at the height of their powers. When did all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies come well, out? Well, Tim Burton didn't do those. But no, I Pirates, know, but I'm trying yeah, about Pir- I, I would argue Johnny Depp got this, was able to do this movie because of Pirates of the Caribbean. So the first one had come out in, like, 2000 or something, or 2001. Way. And I think he became so popular that the doll estate, which we'll talk about, was like, okay, you can hire Johnny Depp. For oh, you're um, right. The first one, but the fir- the second one didn't come out until 2006. So the first one yeah. came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2006, and they hadn't... 2007, 2011, 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
too many. <laughs> and then they're they're about to do a a, a couple years like a year or two ago they announced Margot Robbie's going to do a all female pirates. Um, anyway, yeah, that's fun. But well, okay, so I what I was going to argue back was I think maybe the height of Tim Burton and Johnny Depp's partnership. This was part of that, yes. Yeah. But I, for Johnny Depp himself, related to acting, because we were not going to talk about him as a human necessarily. Uh, right. Uh, this was just the tip of the iceberg. It was just the beginning, so I think, of his popularity. Uh-huh. I think. Stream. Yeah, and I think the end of the third Pirates was like. We were inching towards, uh, okay, I think the mainstream culture is done with Johnny Depp. I Quickly, yeah. as we're talking about Tim Burton and Johnny Depp, this yeah. is their fifth movie. Correct. And they've done many more since then. And the the others were Edward Scissorhands in 1990, mm-hmm. uh, Ed Wood in 1994, Sleepy Hollow in 1999, and Corpse Bride in 2005. Oh, Corpse Bride was before this. I thought it was after. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to say I think this is the pen the part of their yeah pinnacle. I mean, one mm-hmm. I would say on their movement upward. Yeah, I agree. I agree because after this they do like Sweeney Todd, they do like Dark Shadows, which is a amazing movie. Jk, they do. What else do they do? Maybe that's it. But there's Alice in Wonderland, right? Oh, Alice in Wonderland, right, 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 which is a huge, huge, gigantic hit. Yeah. And uh, there's some people that like that movie and some people that don't. But um, much like this one, very um, polarizing, I will say. I think I think this adaptation is pretty polarizing. Um, I agree. But I think Tim Burton is polarizing. Period. So, um, well, I, the I two gonna, of them together yeah let alone yeah. separately okay anyway, sorry um i was gonna go back and just say yeah so i remember that today show marketing thing but i i i think i saw this in theaters i don't remember specifically but i definitely remember seeing it in a theater at some point because uh, the theater chains used to do these like summer like discounted movies for kids do you remember this rachel no Okay, it was like $3 or something, and they used to show, like, movies that had already been released, and I definitely saw it then, and then, yeah, I do, I think, I don't know if we owned it, but I I just, I, I like this version, spoiler, and so, yeah, that is, it's a huge spoiler, and so <laughs> I enjoyed watching it, and I still enjoy, even going back to it as an adult, I still enjoy watching it, and I laughed out loud, I LOL'd several times so um this movie has an 83 critic score on rotten tomatoes which i think is kind of high really high (laughs) yeah really high uh would you like to guess the audience score rachel 63 oh you're shooting a little too high because it's 51 percent yeah okay yeah 51 percent though that's just wild to me so crazy. I mean, I think it makes sense. Yeah. Again, like we said, polarizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just to talk about some, there's a lot of interesting kind of production history about this film. Warner Brothers, the studio that we all love because they produced Barbie, 
um, obtained the rights in 1998 is when that officially they officially obtained the rights, and I think they they have just been trying to at that point just try and buy as much like IP as they could, so then they could make movies with them, and in conjunction with them buying the rights, obtaining the rights of Willy Wonka, they uh, the doll the Roy Doll estate would have total artistic control of whatever adaptation that they would do. Wow. I know. Which is very different than from what we talked about last time. Yeah, from what we talked about last week. I mean Roy Dahl is the screenwriter of the first movie that we talked about last week. But um, as we talked about the studio, he did not want it to be a musical. I don't know if we ever mentioned that last week. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, well, but I don't he, know if we did, but yeah. on the recording. We, we, we barely did. even touched on the music, which was my fault. Gosh, going back into editing that episode, I'm like, what a dummy I am. I just want to apologize to all our listeners. And <laughs> I cannot believe that happened. Uh, our guest had to be like, uh, do you talk about the music? <laughs> And Taylor was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, so stupid. Um, so, yeah, they, obviously, Rodol wrote the screenplay, but they, yeah, they, he did not want it to be a musical. He, they, they were, you know, there were many things that were added to the screenplay that he didn't, you know, approve of. Obviously, we talked about that he did not like the movie after its release and talked right. strongly against it. Um so I do find that telling that the dollar state was like, nah, we, we will let you do it, but we're going to make every decision basically. <laughs> yeah. You can have the proceeds, but we're mm-hmm. going to, we're going to actually make this movie yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. We're going to vision board it for you. Yeah. We're going to storyboard. <laughs> Which is yeah. very interesting considering all of the additional things that mm-hmm. is in this, that yeah. wasn't in the last movie. Well, and we'll talk about those, of course, but I think from what I read, the screenwriter said, John August, the screenwriter said that he tr- he tried to, like, evoke Rodol's persona while writing, you know, the additional material that was added. So, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Um, Ang Lee, Terry Gillum, Anthony Mangella, and Spike Jones were among the f- preferred directors when at first, when um, the the doll estate, they were like, these are the four guys we want you to go after. And other directors considered Rachel Gary Ross, who, if you don't know him, directed the first Hunger Games, directed Ocean's uh-huh. 8, directed Pleasantville. Have you seen Pleasantville? No. Oh, so good. That would be a great musical. Um, Rob Minkoff, who, of course, named after the Minkoff Theater because he wrote or produced The Lion King. Um, on Broadway, Minkoff. And then Martin Scorsese. <laughs> wow. What a different movie that would have been. Oh. Um, and he dropped this because he went and made The Aviator with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. So. Um, and wow. then Tom Shadyak was the other name considered. But of course, Tim Burton was chosen with Johnny Depp. And it says here. Um, Tim Burton quoted, as a child, Rodol was the author who I connected to the most. He got the idea of writing a mixture of light and darkness and speaking down to kids and the kind of politically incorrect humor that kids get. 
I always liked that and it shaped everything I felt that I'd done. That's a lot. I know. He's like very inspired by him. I can kind of see that, right? Like Mm -hmm. last week we talked a lot about how when you read a Roald Dahl book as a child, you're like, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. Like the kid, the, the adults are over dramatized and also like completely chaotic and that's why kids make certain choices and it's like mm-hmm. clearly parents know nothing and and I'm not nothing but like right like parents there's a lot about like the stupidity of what adults do in this mm-hmm. world that doesn't make sense to a child and mm-hmm. reading it you're like oh I get it and as an adult you're like wait a second there's a lot of complexity here that's mm-hmm. not there but you get it right like you understand as a child why your feelings mm-hmm. why you understand cer- or why you might feel certain things about what's going on and feel blindsided by other things related to adults and and their life so yeah and i think to an extent this movie kind of enhances that a little bit um and may go a little bit further with the child and adult than the original um, the concept of, I mean, That's I think, I think just the way Burton kind of frames things a little bit, the, and just the, the kind of coloring and cinematography of his, of his vibe, it kind of makes it, which I think is aligned with Roy Dahl. Like they're very, they, they do have the same vibe a little bit. I think Burton is a little bit darker than Road Doll, but I think, and I think Road Doll can be a little bit more whimsical, um, which I think the original is like all whimsy and like all, <laughs> all, you know, candy and all that, obviously candy, but I do think, I think like three minutes into this movie, you're like, oh, this is a Tim Burton movie. <laughs> That's fair. I yeah. find that interesting. I think that maybe we can talk about this briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, what to me, outside of the singing and obviously outside of Gene Wilder versus Johnny Depp. So we're leaving those two things alone in this comparison. To me, what's very interesting is that I actually feel we don't get a lot of backstory on the children and their relationship to their parents at all. Like, compared to the first movie where there's at least one scene that's a little bit longer, a little bit more complex related to the parents and the child searching for or, f- and, or finding. Oh, that's valid. Yeah, yeah, ticket, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also a little bit more dialogue between those people um, in the factory. And now I, d- that's not to say that we can't get the same vibe because I do think what you're saying about Tim Burton a lot of what isn't said is done, mm-hmm. uh, which is very different and obviously allows for some belief that kids who are watching this have an idea of being able to catch on based off of mm-hmm. what is visually happening or, or cinema, like happening through sound and visuals versus just what's happening in the dialogue. Right. And right. that I think, I think that is a really post 1990s, thing where they mm-hmm. were like yes kids can understand what's happening in a situation right. without you telling them but anyway putting that aside I think that we don't get actually a lot of like I I don't feel a lot of feelings about any of these children including Charlie in the way in which I felt about the kids in the first movie and I will say one of that one of those things is that Charlie is not taunted enough <laughs> 
for me to feel sympathetic towards him. Like, in what do you this mean? Movie. Like, he's not like he in has too much going movie, for him. <laughs> no, no. In the first movie, we see him not fit in with his classmates, as well as we see him being really poor and we see that both visually and then there's dialogue about it. Right. And so when he gets the golden ticket and is running through the crowds, I'm choking back tears watching it. And obviously, you know, he's singing. So that might also Mm -hmm. evoke some other emotions. But like in this movie, we don't see him. We don't see Charlie with his other schoolmates or with like other people, his age outside of the factory. And we don't really see anything besides the hardship of his dad losing his Mm -hmm. job. We don't really see a lot of, in my opinion, or feel a lot of emotions about who Charlie is until we get to the factory, until we get to that experience, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Just, I I think, a very big difference difference between the movie last time and this one. I'm not saying that I agree with this, but I think one could make the argument that, like, that makes his life a little more sad that you don't see him with anyone except adults (laughs) throughout the entire movie. I guess. I just feel like if you don't know how to emote, if you're a kid and you're like, okay, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just felt differently emoting for him. Obviously, in this movie, more than the other, I care about the emotions of Willy Wonka. Right. Like, there is a clear understanding that we are supposed to care more about him than anyone else in this movie in a way that I actually don't think is true in that first movie. I agree. Totally agree. It's funny that this, the first movie is called Willy Wonka and the chocolate Mm -hmm. factory. And we maybe get 25 minutes with Willy Wonka, 30 minutes. And this movie is called Charlie and the chocolate factory. And we get like a whole freaking backstory. And it's literally all about Willy Wonka. And that the dollar state thinks this is more accurate to the book, which it is, but that is hilarious. Um, Because one of the criticisms that Roald Dahl said about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the 1971 movie, is that it was too much about Willy Wonka. And I find that very interesting. Um, John August, the screenwriter who we referenced earlier, says said also, in terms of the screenwriting process, I literally went through the book with a highlighter and I would save even like little bits of scene description as much as I could. So that it would be as Roy Dolly as possible. Um, Burton and August incorporated um, many parts of the book that were absent in the 1971 adaptation, including the construction of the Indian Prince's Chocolate Palace, um, the inclusion of Charlie's father, and Baruch Assault's attack by the squirrels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we'll definitely talk about the squirrels later. I got some tidbits. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think that's interesting. I also would argue that this, I do think there's a little bit more in the 1971 about the kids, but I actually, I think it's a little bit the same in my opinion, but the only one that you don't, that I noticed this time around watching this version that you don't really get any background on or like reason, like, I don't know. I just don't feel like she's that big of a character is Violet to me. Like, Mm. I feel like all the other kids like have a thing and then Violet's just like, like good at chewing gum and like, what is her thing? I don't really know. But, I didn't, I, 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 what I think about this movie is that I hate all of the children in this movie in a all way the that actors? I don't, 
I the storylines of the children, the way the children are portrayed, all of it, I don't like it at mm-hmm. all. Um, but I think that's because I have all like my mind is preoccupied with the flashbacks that are happening related to Willy Wonka's childhood. Like mm-hmm. we don't get that in the first movie. Right. And so I'm just like, I watched it and realized I was concerned about when we were gonna go back to little Willy Wonka with his braces. <laughs> like when are we going back to him? Was like every time that Johnny Depp, you know, as Willy Wonka does something in the factory, Mm -hmm. there's a moment where you're like, obviously, especially now that we talk a lot about trauma, trauma as a, in the, in the 20, 2020s, um, we Mm -hmm. talk a lot more about this than we did in 2005, but right. Like we understand. This movie was ahead of the trauma time. (laughs) I I think, yes, I do think that they're unexplicit understanding that clearly he's making these decisions because of who his ex- or what his experience was as a child. Right. And that's the takeaway from all of mm-hmm. the book in general, I think, yeah. is that children make decisions because adults make them make decisions when children want to make their own decisions and adults are making these ridiculous decisions from the perspective of children and it's actually because of their own childhood. Anyway, that right. was not the point I was trying to make. The point is that I think that our brain space in this movie is so centered around Willy Wonka himself that there's no real space to feel like when when Veruca goes down <laughs> the chute, I have no feelings. Yeah. The first movie I was like, oh, wait, where's she like? she deserved it or whatever, like, because she was being such a B word to her dad and those right. workers in the factory that we saw, like, we don't get to see some of those things that are, mm-hmm. I think, help me be like, she deserved that. Or like Violet deserved that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I get, I feel more about that Violet and Mike and Augustus are like more realized than Violet for me, but I do see your point. And I raise you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I also, per, for me, per, I like the flashback. How do you feel about Little Willy Wonka? The little, because if if yeah. that's canon, that that if this movie's canon, of course, then that little boy grows up to be Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I think, um, I as an aside, I don't think the Wonka movie that we're going to see in a week, less than a week, right, is canon related to this movie or necessarily the book itself it's canon with the gene is what you're saying no i think that it's its own thing yes i think it's taking the essence of these things um and bringing them into something we Mm -hmm. can understand and i think Mm -hmm. it will take some of the better parts of the gene wilder movie an adaptation and then also take a little bit more from the storyline uh, that's going to happen related to uh-huh. the, the Charlie and the Chocolate yeah. Factory. But the flashbacks of Willy Wonka's childhood, it doesn't happen in the book right. to my understanding. Right. That's the biggest change that they make from the story. And But I do like it, mm-hmm. right? Like if this is really about Wonka, I really do. I do like those flashbacks and it helps me understand why the heck is this man so weirded out mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. family? Yeah. And even saying the word parents. Why does he like um, candy so much? And well, I was going to say, 
I I like the flashbacks, but I do think this movie kind of sings and not literally, but sings and soars a little bit and flies by up until the like first flashback point. And I think that's the point where it kind of you kind of sit back a little bit and you're like, okay, it's kind of slowing down a little bit, like because that's like right when the 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 boat scene happens, which I think is way more realized in this version than it is in the first version. But I think For that's sure. also like CGI and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I I think it moves very quickly and then it kind of slows down a little bit with the flashbacks. Even though I do, I did enjoy the flashback. Haven't watched it in a long time, and so you know the whole him going, the dad going through the chocolate, and like you know being like, well, this in the braces and little Willy Wonka having break, like all of that is very like i remembered but um so yeah i think and then the ending kind of happens very quickly and that's the same in the 1971 like it kind of the ending is it just like you know they get the mike tv thing happens and then they rush toward the end and then charlie's given the factory and all that um all of that stuff i think we can transition into talking about johnny depp's performance in the movie um, because it's very different than Gene Wilder. And I do yeah. want to say, too, do you know, of course, you know, I love to talk about this. Any other actors that were offered the role of Willy Wonka, Rachel? No, please tell me. Well, the first up we got who was offered the role, Bill Murray was offered the role. No <laughs> way. Yeah. yeah. But also, um, like, somehow I could see that. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been very interesting. Uh, Nicholas Cage. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jim Carrey. Interesting. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Honestly, also yeah. very different. Uh-huh. Michael Keaton, Beetlejuice himself. Um, <laughs> Brad Pitt. I love that one. <laughs> Brad Pitt. <laughs> Brad Pitt is Willy Wonka. Is my That's favorite so thing cool. ever. Just AI, please generate that. Lastly, Adam Sandler was the. I cannot. Yeah. I know. When was that would have been. When did Click come out? That was traumatizing. <laughs> Click. Oh man. Um, Click was 2006, so a year later. So wow. I guess he chose that over. I hope Willy that Wonka. that's what he was yeah. doing instead. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I've referenced this podcast before, Blank Check, on the podcast. They did an episode on this movie probably two years ago. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's great. I, I should have sent it to you, Rachel, but I'll send it to you. Because um, they went through all of Tim Burton's filmography, and they did this movie, and they had some very interesting things to say about it. I'm um, But they talked about, and the very first thing that I did not, even really comprehend until listening to their episode is that Johnny Depp, which apparently since then he said he did not play it like this, but that Johnny Depp evokes Michael Jackson during in the movie. That you like, think that he does on purpose? So apparently he does not. Since then he has said that I was not like I was not doing a Michael Jackson, but that's what people took from it is that he's, this is like a Michael Jackson, like that his version of Willy Wonka is like Michael Jackson. And I just find that so fascinating. And especially it's funny. It's not funny, but the episode of Blank Chegg 
had come out like right after the Leaving Neverland documentary had come out that's all about Michael Jackson and mm, the Neverland yeah. stuff. So they talked a lot about that and how it's just like weird to see a movie where Johnny Depp kind of, even if he wasn't taking things from Michael Jackson, that he kind of looks and sounds like him and he's taking all these children to a chocolate factory and it's it's just like a little weird. Um, yeah. So I could not not see that now mm. <laughs> listening, watching the movie. And I was, and it's just, even if, again, even if Johnny Depp wasn't thinking that, I feel even with like the makeup and the hairstyle and the voice in particular, it's just so reeks of Michael Jackson to me. I'm like, this is just so, it's very eerie. Um, I think the biggest difference between this, I mean, there's a lot of differences, are that, that Gene Wilder played played it one way and T- Johnny Depp played it another way. Um, his line deliveries, uh, Johnny Depp is a really good actor, I will say. Like the, I, I, In the Blank Check episode, they talk about how Finding Neverland is not great, but I actually really like him in Finding Neverland. And Freddie Heimer would not have gotten Charlie and the Chocolate Factory if not for Finding Neverland, so that's interesting. And I think... Johnny Depp is good in Pirates, and I think he's really good in this. I think he there are some line deliveries he does where I laughed out loud. I love when he calls, he keeps calling Mike TV a mumbler. Like, that's freaking hilarious. And, again, those things are probably in the script, but just, like, the way he delivers them are so funny. And um, just, like, kind of the innocence, but, like, the naivete that he has with the parents and then just there's so many things in in his performance that I find so funny. Um, what do you think? What do you think about Johnny Depp? Um, well, as an actor in this role, specifically. <laughs> I thought you were talking about yourself as an actor. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Well, let me tell you the first thing while rewatching this. What I first thought, I was like, who picked out his veneers? Who did this to him? Mm-hmm. Um. I would say the coloring of his face and his veneers along with his bob right. is just quite a choice. His um, Duloc bob. His Duloc bob. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, but I would say it really adds to the weirdness of who he is, who Wonka is. Um, I also love that he runs into the glass elevator a lot. Yes, that is funny funny part for Mm -hmm. me. I know you were talking about when he says mumbler to Mike Mm -hmm. TV. Mm -hmm. And I also find that pretty, pretty funny. Mm -hmm. I would say I don't find him as weird as I do Gene Wilder's Wonka. And that might be a very interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, he's weird but like he's consistently weird I like Mm -hmm. feel this is his persona is to be aloof and a bit strange and also you know he's a creative mind and so he also doesn't meet a lot of people um let alone children so he doesn't know how to interact with them so I find it I think he thought a lot about that about how he's been cooped up in a yes in a in a factory for years and years so this makes sense his interactions make sense unlike Gene Wilder's where I'm like you never know which one of these people you're gonna get um, mm-hmm. the one, the one qualm I have, and maybe this will lead us into a different point of conversation, um, is that I don't plot wise understand his 
ability to speak to the Oompa Loompas in English while then also not being able to speak to some of them in English. And then the secondary point is he really gets swept away in the song. And mm. I didn't realize he also could hear, like, I guess everyone could hear the song. Right. So that means that people know that the Oompa Loompas are singing. Which well, they, me, yeah, they did even in the first one. Yes, but but the first one's a musical because there are other people mm. who don't know that they're singing and they're singing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And this to me is like the Oompa Loompas are workers who also sing. And so is this a musical? That's the question, <laughs> isn't it? For the La La Blend, the new question that we ask, is this a movie musical? Um, <laughs> I do, we, we definitely need to talk about the Oompa Loompas, but my, the, the quote, well, another quote I loved that Johnny Depp says is, quote, improvisation is a parlor trick. Anyone can do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, love that. I, I thought of our improv days when he said that. I love it. I think to take such an iconic character and... Mm-hmm do it differently and distinctly but also true to the center of gravity of like understanding what the original source material was like he did a really good job now is that johnny depp or is that tim burton i don't know um obviously the two of them working together speak a language that where they're able to collaborate in a way that's like so great um and so, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Johnny Depp had a hand in the script too. Oh, I yeah. Right. I agree. I right. I the other thing I was going to say is um I think that he's my favorite character in the movie, of, in this yeah. version. Yeah. In this version. This was mm-hmm. not the case in the last version, but in this version, mm-hmm. he's definitely my favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. Um the Oompa Loompas, and this is, of course, where we can transition to talking about the music of the movie, um, which we almost didn't do last time, like I said. Um, yeah, is this a musical? I don't know. I mean, it's technically on Wikipedia, musical fantasy, so I don't know. Um, but I guess I can go and delete that tomorrow. So, um, yeah, the music, the only music in the film, which is something that the Doll Estate was adamant about was that the Oompa Loompa songs are in there. These are the exact words that Dahl wrote in the book and Danny Elfman, the composer, which that's one thing I will say, I love the music in this film, like just the score. It's so good. And I think it's so recognizable and like just very well done. And I think Danny Elfman does a great job. Obviously he's an incredible composer and has done many many collaborations with um tim burton but um the songs he basically put music to each song and each each oompa loompa song is a different genre like bollywood and like rock that mike tv one is like aerosmith rock that 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 scene is wild and um yeah and (laughs) it's so crazy and the Violet one is kind of like techno, I guess. Is that kind of what it is? And and then the Veruca one is just kind so. of whimsical, and it's like they ah, dance around her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of a fun experiment to like take Roa Dahl's lyrics and turn it into music. It's kind of fun. It is fun. I would say, mm-hmm. obviously, I miss the singing. Right. 
So I think this is maybe we'll talk about this in a second, or maybe this is when we talk about this. I don't you can know. Talk but about like, it right now. To me, what makes a movie musical? Mm. Okay, different than a mu- movie with music. Yep. For me personally, is mm-hmm. that you enter a realm where someone doesn't realize that they're singing to mm. portray the the moment of the like the moment of emotion or the moment mm-hmm. within the plot. Mm-hmm. So here's a great example that wasn't in the Harry Potter books, but I mean in the movies, but is in the Harry Potter books. The Sorting Hat has a song at the beginning of every year, song poem. And if that were in the Harry Potter movie, it doesn't make the Harry Potter movie a musical. A musical. The Sorting sorting Hat would have a song. Now, Mm -hmm. I feel very similarly about this. The only time people notice that people are singing or that people are singing is when people notice. So at the beginning when it's like Willy Wonka's with the puppets, so good honestly so so iconic yeah but everyone knows it's a performance everyone's standing there watching the performance happen of these puppets later on willie i mean wonka knows that the people are singing and so do the children because and so do the parents because they comment on it and obviously the oompa loompas played by the same person over and over and over again amazing incredible um they obviously also know that they're singing. So mm-hmm. it's it's a mm-hmm. it's not a musical. Yeah. It is a movie with singing from mm-hmm. one subset of people, right. which is just the Oompa Loompas. Now, is this a bad it, I don't I don't know. Bad for saying, a mu- movie musical subseries? <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, right, but like I'm just trying to think like if someone sings karaoke in a music, in a movie or in a TV Mm -hmm. show, that doesn't automatically make it a musical. musical. They know that they're singing. Other people around them know that they're singing or like in love actually, right? There's a song Mm -hmm. where that's performed at the end by the girl. Mm -hmm. Everyone's Mm -hmm. there. It's a performance that love actually is not a musical. Right. Well, or argue, I mean, again, obviously I love this movie and I'm going to bring it up again, but Barbie, is Barbie a musical? I mean, there's that whole musical sequence, but it's See, technically... See, but does Ken know that he's singing? Right, right. And do the, all the other Kens know they're singing? Do, do, and who is it for? Is it right. a mind space for them? Or is it a performance that other people are seeing? Greta Gerwig calls it a dream ballet. So, right. In my right. mind, it's a dream ballet. It's a dream song. Right. And so, yes, it's a musical. It's right. a musical number. Yeah. Yeah. So Barbie's more of a musical than this movie, which is what yeah, we're saying. That's the so. end of my statement there. Yeah. No, I don't. I agree with you. And I think one of the reasons I just I thought it would be fun to revisit these movies and then also go yes, see Wonka. So. And that's fun. Which but yeah, once this again is, is Wonka movie musical? Tackle, tackle we will style. find out. <laughs> but I do, I would love to see Johnny Depp's rendition of, of Pure Imagination. There's that. Yes, I agree. I honestly, that was not yeah. in the I've Got a Golden Ticket where the two songs, I'm like, you could have thrown this in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the Candyman would have been interesting because we, mm. that's another thing. We barely see the Candyman in this version. He yeah. seems like a nice human. When we do see him, he seems wonderful. 
Um, and I think this is a good time to talk at least some about the other cast members. Of course, Freddie Highmore is Charlie Bucket. I think he's very charming. And I think he's a wonderful child actor that we see many times. And, of course, now on The Good Doctor, if anybody wants to watch that, that's still running. Um, David Kelly is Grandpa Joe. I find him delightful. I think he's very funny and charming. Um, Helena Bonham Carter and Noah Taylor as the Bucket parents. Of course, we I now have Mr. Bucket. Yeah, she. It's a yeah, thankless role. Uh, Missy Pyle as Miss Beauregard, who I absolutely love and think is hilarious, so and that she dresses exactly the same as Violet is hilarious. So good. Um, she has a crush on Wonka. Oh, so good. so good. She's just like such an underrated actress. She's so good. Um. James Fox is Mr. Salt. I mean, fine, but forgettable. Um, and then Ada, uh, Adam Godley is Mr. TB. And Franziska Trogner as Mrs. Gloop. Those, uh, Augustus and Mrs. Gloop are actually German actors, which is pretty cool. That's cool. Um, the, of course, Anna Sophia Robb, famed child actress playing Violet Bolgard. I, I loved her as a child actress, of course, Bridge to Terabithia, because of Winn-Dixie, um, Kit Kittridge, American Kit Girl, amazing. Yeah, she's she was a banging child actress. Um, Julia Winters, Virka Salt, she doesn't really do anything after this. Um, Jordan Fry is Mike TB. Um, Philip Wingratz as Augustus Gloop. Blair Dunlop plays Little Willy Wonka. He's currently a English folk musician. So fascinating. Very fascinating. And then of course we cannot forget Christopher Lee playing Dr. Wilbur Wonka. <laughs> Some doctor. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah. Oh man. Christopher yeah. Lee playing him is just something else. Yes, Sauron himself. <laughs> um, and then, I, actually, we really can't forget, last but not least, Deep Roy playing all the Oompa Loompa. Every Oompa Loompa. Yeah, there's like 140 of them or something is what I read. And he plays every single one of them, including the narrator at the end, question yeah. mark, which is so great. Love that. That's so freaking funny. That's my favorite uh, part of the movie. And then the, 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 the I'm guessing it's the sugar. Snow, the sugar, the sugar powder Yeah, yeah, sugar. yeah. So good. Oh, that's such a great little detail. And the fact that the house is in the chocolate room. Oh, so good. It's so good. Um, this movie, too, I do want to say was budgeted $150 million, So a lot more bigger budget than the original, which was $4 million. Yeah. Um, But it did make a lot of money, $475 million at the box office. So worldwide. That's a lot. I know. That is a lot of money. We talked about Roger Ebert last episode, but I do just want to say that Roger Ebert cited Depp's performance as the weak spot in an otherwise most delightful film, noting that Willy Wonka's reclusive lifestyle, the fetishes of wardrobe and accessories, the elaborate playground built by an adult for the child inside, as parallels between the two films, the old one and the new one. I I just find that so funny. I mean, I, I really find his performance so good. Mm. 
And then in 2013, Gene Wilder made comments calling Burton's film an insult. <laughs> he continues to say it's probably a Warner Brothers insult. I think I like Warner Brothers for other reasons, but to do that with Johnny Depp, who I think is a good actor and I like him, but I don't care for that director. He's a talented man, but I don't care for him doing stuff like he did. None, none of that makes sense. I, I, I mean, personally, I love Tim Burton's space of things mm-hmm. within the directing mm-hmm. world. Um, Do you have a favorite Tim Burton movie? Uh, so to, while Rachel's thinking, just to go through, we have, I mean, here's a lot of movies. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice. Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, Ed Wood, Mars Attacks, Sleepy Hollow, Planet of the Apes, Big Fish, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Oh, one day we'll get there. Um, Alice in Wonderland, Dark Shadows, Frankenweenie, Big Eyes, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, Dumbo, and in 2024, Beetlejuice 2. Is coming. I I think Edward Scissorhands is probably mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Yeah. I'm gonna have to. I love this movie. I think it's very fun. Um, but Big Fish. I'm I'm a huge oh, fan. We talked about it last week. Big so fan of good. Big Fish. Yeah. Um, and I think the other big Big Eyes is is actually a great movie. I've it's never really, seen really that. Good. Really yeah. good. Amy Adams and um Christoph Waltz. And it's very entertaining. I liked it. Good. Yeah. I need to add that to my list. Yeah, do it. Um, I have some little notes about my... I took some more notes while I watched this movie. Okay. Um, some things I noticed, of course, differently. Willy Wonka is in the first 10 minutes of the movie <laughs> rather than 55 minutes in, True. like the last one, which I, is a, it's right away they're establishing that this is a very different movie. Um, how do you feel about the whole sequence of him going to the jungles of Africa, I guess? I don't even know where the Oompa, Oompa Loompa land. And are we going to see something like this in Wonka? That's what I want to know. I think it's about him being, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think it's about um, him studying as a chocolatier. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, especially and in retrospect. Re- it's like relationship ugh. between servitude. Yeah. Right. Slaves right. And... Right. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. really just hope Hugh Grant is playing every Oompa Loompa like in this movie. So I really, really hope that happens. Um, Oh, the the whole the whole backstory, which I this is one of the parts of the movie I really really like of Grandpa Joe working for Willy Wonka, and then yeah. that when they when Willy Wonka thinks that people are stealing his secrets, his chocolate secrets, he closes the factory and fires everyone. Yeah, and I think that's such a cool idea. But I do think I wrote down that while I was watching it because Grandpa Joe is telling. Charlie this story about how he worked for Wonka and blah 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 and I was like is this the first time Charlie's hearing about this like like <laughs> how long has Charlie been building that Willy Wonka factory out of toothpaste lids for and maybe, years maybe it's like Grandpa Joe tells him every time yes but it seemed like he was like it was new information I don't know I was just like 
Grandpa Joe, you've been holding out on him. <laughs> um, literally, Charlie sleeps in like a loft bed above the grandparents. Yeah. And we talked a lot about the grandparents last time. Um, I do love the grandparents in this movie. I think they're so funny. They're so hilarious. They're so funny. Um, I love that the one, not Grandpa Joe, but the other, I guess it's Grandpa George. Yeah. Um, he's has like quips. He's, but yeah, and he has very many quips. He's like a quip yeah. to Willy Wonka. It's so uh-huh. good. So good. But literally, and then, so Charlie sleeps in like the loft and then you like, there's a shot of him like looking out the top of the, the house and there's like a giant hole in the house on the roof. And I'm like, wouldn't Charlie literally freeze to death? Like, I don't understand. This is wild. It doesn't matter. Um, it does matter. And then lastly, I just really love the detail of when they roll Violet out of the room that she's screaming. <laughs> when they roll her as a as a, as a as a blueberry, which is so funny that so this is the big debate because we didn't talk about this last week. Are blueberries violet or are they blue? <laughs> Because literally the You're line, we're turning violet, 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 right. So what, what do you say? What's the big blueberry debate of 2023? Blueberries are... Violet or blue? Violet. Depends on the light. Yeah. Depends and the, on if it's and a good blueberry. Is, is your blue my blue? <laughs> this is too complicated. Oh, too complicated. I just love that little detail. And I do love the scene of seeing all... The kids walking out of the factory yes, later. I agree. I, I, I think that's thing. very Roy Dahl and like seeing yes. them walk yes. out. It's very, very yes. cool. I like that I a lot. Agree. I agree. Yeah. Awards, this movie, along like the 1971 one, was only nominated for one Academy Award, um, one Oscar for costume design, which wow. I find very interesting. That is interesting. I think it could have, I think it could have been cinematography. I think in a Depending on who was nominated that year for Best Actor, I could have seen a world where Johnny Depp was nominated. Yeah, because sure. he was nominated for the first Pirates of the Caribbean, and then he was nominated for for Finding Neverland. So, yes. I mean, he could have been on a roll with that. Uh, but again, Gene Wilder wasn't even nominated, so that could have been controversial. Um, yeah. It was beat out by Memories of a Geisha. <laughs> So, just so to show where the Academy was back in 2005. Um, these fun facts, Rachel, are unhinged. I just okay, I'm ready. Know. I have a few, but I'm yeah. sure you have some of them, too. Well, the Nestle Company provided 1,850 real chocolate bars to shoot the movie. That is so much chocolate. That's a lot That's of chocolate. wild. Ah, um, we talked about this last week, too, but they did it again on this movie, a hundred and ten thousand. Oh wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm reading this one. Two hundred thousand gallons of fake chocolate were made for the river area, while thirty-eight thousand of it were made for the waterfall. It's so much. It's so much. I know. Yeah, that whole that like the whole opening scene. A lot of that is real and not not necessarily CGI. Mm-hmm. And I find that very interesting. Yeah. The chocolate room is, I think, cool. I love, like, how they show different types. I guess they did this in the in the 1971, how they show different types. Like, Mike TV, like, hitting that, like, giant bubble thing, and it has, like, all the goo inside of it. And yes. then, like, 
um, um, Violet's mom like eating the thing off the tree, and then it turns her. Yeah, she's just crushing on everyone because she's trying to crush on Veruca's dad too. So yeah, yeah. Um, lots of chocolate. I just can't imagine like seeing a chocolate water fountain or, or waterfall. That's just so cool. Yeah. yeah. And then of course we talked about the boat scene last week, but just seeing, I think it's much well realized, like we said earlier in this movie. I think every time I see a scene like that in a movie, I'm like, they should make a theme park ride just like this. I agree. Yeah. I'm like, this I looks like so it. much fun. It looks, looks terrifying. Like, yeah. And then I love how you get to see all the different rooms, like the whip, whipping cream room and the, the hair room. The one where he's like, I would yeah. rather not talk about it. And it's pink yeah. sheep. So good. Pink sheer. And then you cut to them. Yeah, so good. Um, <sighs> so good. The last fun fact, which is just the most crazy fun fact in the history of fun facts, I will say. I don't think we'll get any better than this. Maybe we will. I'm ready. 40 squirrels were trained for the scene where they pounce upon Baruch Assault. So they trained real squirrels to, basically, I read that, so the scene where they did go on top of the little girl, those are CGI. Uh-huh. But when they're finding the nuts, like when they cut to them finding the nuts, those are all real squirrels that they trained to find the nuts. Yeah, and that's why this movie costs 150 million. <laughs> my, yeah. you want to hear my fun fact? Oh, absolutely. Okay, my fun fact is in Mike TV's. I think this is true, but it's this is what it looked like, and then I had to pause it, and then I had to go back to Barbie. But um, in Mike TV's scene where the candy bar is being teleported See, into right. the, mm-hmm. the scene, it looks like a space odyssey. 2001 a space odyssey. Yeah, it does. Which mm-hmm. is the exact same thing that was referenced in the beginning of Barbie. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I so funny. Yeah, so. I saw that online too. That's really funny. All right, Rachel, do you want to know my MVP? I do. Who's your MVP? My MVP of the movie, and I think it's kind of undeniable, is Deep Roy as the Oompa Loompas. He is so delightful. I just love this. Again, we go back to the music, but the songs are just so much fun. Do you have a favorite song out of all of them? I think it's Violet's. Yeah. Chewing, 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 chewing. Yeah. Chewing, chewing all yeah. day long. Yeah, it's so good. They're rolling her. <laughs> ah! Yeah, it's so good. Oh. Mr. Wong. Sorry. Yeah. It's so good. Mom. Yeah. You see her um, little head. I'm it's crying. so well realized. It's so, so good. good. It's so um, and then, uh, yeah, the only one I, do, I don't love is the Mike TV one. I think it's just so weird. It's very weird. And yeah, I love the Veruca one though too because they're, oh, yeah, so the, good. Yeah, and I think 70s he's hair. just so talented. And I kind of, I feel like we uh, maybe he's he's kind of one of those like, oh, that's that guy like watching movies, <laughs> but like, oh yeah, I've seen him in so many movies. But I feel like he's like playing so many different types of Oompa Loompas in this movie yeah. that it's like, how did he not get more work after this? Like, he's so talented. He's very talented. Yeah. I love the hair bit, the bit about the hair cream. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. <laughs> He's my MVP. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. My MVP. Are you ready? Yes. Oh, I'm so ready, Rachel. 
My MVP is the headgear of a little yes! <laughs> because it really sells the story yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. I am both frightened and also mm-hmm. like feeling really bad for him. Mm-hmm. And also can like, as someone who had obviously not the full headgear, um, right. but someone who had braces understand when people tell you, you can't have that because of your braces, how much more you want something. Did you have braces? Yeah, I had braces and a little expander when I was. Did you have headgear? No, I didn't have headgear. No, my wife had headgear. I love this for her. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was a little Willy Wonka in the making. <laughs> Obviously um, dramatized yeah. for the yes. screen, but I yes. heard that this mm-hmm. is actually Tim Burton's experience as a kid. Yes, I saw that too. Yeah, very interesting. I yeah. love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I love the whole trick or treating part, and then they yeah, go, yeah, so it's good. so good, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, what's your big L for the movie? Do you have any big loss or big loser? I think my big, my big L is where the hell is the music? <laughs> <laughs> like, could we at least outro pure imagination? Mm-hmm. Like we didn't mm-hmm. even have. It wasn't even like a Frozen situation where we had someone famous sing a song that was already in it as the outro was happening, like. We, mm-hmm. I just needed, I needed more singing. Well, it is funny too that one of the next collaborations that they did, like this is not a musical, but then the like almost immediate next collaboration they do, um, sweet, they do Corpse Bride, which they probably already made, but then Sweeney Todd, <laughs> which is a full out musical. They were like, well, we couldn't do it with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So we got to get it out of our system and do Sweeney Todd. So. It's so crazy. Yeah. Um, my big L for the yes. movie is I do agree. Like the 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 Oompa Loompa songs only make you want to there to be more songs. Yes. Um, but I do think, and I think this is just a product of the time, is that the CGI for me is my big L. Yeah. And I think especially you see it mostly, which I think is kind of funny because there's no people in the scene, is the very beginning like credits part where they're like making the Wonka bars in the factory. It feels so CGI to me. Um Yes. I and hear you. There, yeah. And then there are moments throughout it. There uh, and there are moments where it's good. Like I think like Violet being a blueberry like we said is I think is very well realized and I think very well done. And like especially yes. We we talked about, but even like the Oompa Loompas jumping on her and rolling, that's so good, so good. Um, but I think there are other moments that are not as good. So, but I, again, it's 2005. It's gotten a lot better in some respects, but I think there's a long way to go with CGI too. So I agree. I agree. Yeah. Use it sparingly. Use it sparingly. Uh, yeah, cat. If the cat's the musical, taught us nothing. True. True. Rachel, of course, one of our favorite questions uh, we play on this. My favorite question. The best. Could James Corden have been in this movie? Unfortunately, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think um, in actuality, he he actually could have. Like he really could have. Like yeah. I'm really surprised we didn't have him in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that I don't know who he would have. Ben per se, I could honestly imagine him being all of the CG, all of the Oompa Loompas, which we I talked about last week. Also, see right. him being. Um, I know that Mike TV's dad looks a little different than mm-hmm. James, but I feel like we could, yeah. he could have done that. That's Alternatively, a good one. 
I still stand by that he could have been Grandpa Joe. Mm-hmm. Well, I think my role for him in this is is Mr. Bucket. I think he could have that could have been a role he could have done. I mean, it's not a huge role. He was doing a lot of British TV sitcom like one or two episodes. He hadn't gotten Gavin. He hadn't made Gavin and Stacey yet, which is like one of his bigger shows in Britain um, that he like um, show ran and starred in. But he had done well. He had done this show called Fat Friends in in Britain. He'd been yeah. done twenty episodes on that. Um, and movie wise, he really hadn't done much. So he was definitely he wasn't as big as he is now, of course. Of course. Um, but yeah, I th- I wonder if he auditioned for. I mean, it's like the f- it was filmed in London. Like it's just it's interesting. And and obviously, isn't Tim Burton British? Am I wrong? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Oh no, he's not. Never mind. Okay. But there's a lot of British actors in this movie, so there's that. There is. There yeah. is that. Tim Burton yeah. was born in Burbank, California. Hey yo. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, it is interesting to me. Like theoretically, he could have been in it, and I do think he. I, I think James Corden and Tim Burton is an interesting pairing, and I think that would be interesting to see someday. If that ever happened, maybe he'll be on Wednesday, season two. Um, <laughs> we'll find out. Oh, he would have been a great fester. Come on. Um, and then lastly, of course, Rachel, our okay. final question for our Lala um, Bland. Of course. Do we say, are we Lala fans or is this a Lala Bland? Thumbs down. With the caveat that I don't think this is a musical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am a Lala fan. And yeah. I should say my second caveat is not being here to agree with the actions of any of the actors in this movie. Right. But yeah. specifically for the movie itself, I'm a Lala fan. What about you, Taylor? Yeah, I think if you say like, oh, from a musical standpoint, Lala Bland. Not a great musical. Not a great. <laughs> I mean, the songs are really catchy and fun, but um, that's definitely not a musical. Yes. But I think as a movie and an entertainment, a piece of entertainment, yes, I am a Lala fan. I think both films are equally memorable and iconic. I think uh, I read somewhere too that this movie boost the sales of the 1971 movie when it came out interesting and vice versa like i said last week i think both movies help each other because they're so different from each other that like you can like both of us like both movies but there are fans of just one or the other yes. i think it's interesting it is, yeah. Um, and I think it it's really telling because it's funny, you know, Gene Wilder said, like, what's the point of redoing the movie? But I think it's interesting to obviously Hollywood just recycles a lot of movies and they just want to try and make as much money as possible is really what they're doing. But um, but and you know, we are a theater podcast, so Broadway does I mean like jukebox musicals and and movies yeah. turned into music. I mean everything. It's it's all the it's all together business show business but i do think road doll stories are ones that you can keep recycling because you can have different people interpret them and 
make them interesting. And I think that's a, I think that there are some books that should only have one adaptation or maybe none. And I think Roy Dahl stories, you can kind of, and I think the Wonka movie is kind of an example of that. Like they're taking the story and making a new, a new story out of it. So. Yeah. Not to compare literature, but like, it reminds me of Alice in Wonderland, yeah. right? Like yeah, they're that very comparable. It's so whimsical and doesn't mean always what people think it means in the mm-hmm. same way every time that you read it. And it's not a franchise. You know, I think right. when I think about Harry well, Potter, it's the second time that I'm referencing that. So <laughs> we're going to have to pay money. Yeah. Um, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> but um, yeah, thank God. But anyway, I like... <laughs> I, I think that it's really hard to like, that is a, that's a series of books that became a franchise and to even think about redoing it is just crazy. Well, it's happening. Well, but it's crazy, right? Like it's creating a lot of rhetoric and a lot of anxiety, which is so different from Alice in Wonderland. We have like a bajillion uh-huh. interpretations uh-huh. of that yeah. that literature. Mm-hmm. And the same with Willy Wonka or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory rather, yeah. right? We have like two different musical adaptations. We now have two movies, soon to be yeah. a third movie this yeah. week. We have you know all all of this and uh, and more, I'm yeah. sure. And the cool part is because it's a story that at baseline is whimsical and is like from the perspective of a child in some way, shape or form, even if that child is Willy Wonka, right? Like it allows it to take its own creative space. And I think Mm. people who don't like the new movie, but love the original, like that's fine. They're allowed to do that. But I do think that we remake things so that new generations can connect with them. For sure. Because this one really spoke to us. And probably some of the reason why it still speaks to us is because it was one of the things that we saw over and over again, Mm. you know, as growing up. For sure. I wonder if, Tim Burton sees this as like a kid's movie. It's, I mean, it is a kid's movie, but I want, I mean, he's a, a lot of his movies are not made for kids. So yeah, it is it interesting. Seems like a kid's movie. Cause the yeah. end of the day, the message is you can still have family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like That's choosing true. family, even when offered everything else that you've always yeah. thought you wanted. Yeah. Isn't Which is very, what you want. It is a very different ending than the original. So different. Yeah. Yeah. Than morally right and wrong. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for having sure. this Lala Bland discussion. Yes. Charlie yes. and the Chocolate Factory. Of course, next week we move on to Wonka, the new film. The new film. We will be seeing it. On the same day, but yeah, not together. Not together. Um, but you know, you guys will hear all our thoughts next week. So stay tuned. All right, Rachel, let's talk about our character of the week. Let's do it. It's my cheerleader time. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> this week. is the uh, woo. 
Um, this is the segment where Taylor and I pick a theater character that we're feeling like for this week. So we think, how are we feeling? What in the world have we been up to? Absolutely. We do some really hard thinking Mm -hmm. and we think about a theater character thing or something else related to theater. That's right. (laughs) That we that embodies the same thoughts, feelings, Mm -hmm. and vibes. That's right. And we would also love to hear your thoughts on all the Broadway buzz, theater buzz this week, all the shows transferring to Broadway in the spring. And of course, your thoughts on the 2005 Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the Michael Jackson connection. Who knows? MJ musical there. It was Rachel. Um, and of now course your yeah, your com your characters of the week. So comment on our social media pages. Tell us who you are this week. You may get a shout out on a future episode. Rachel, who is your character this week? Taylor, this week I've just been doing a lot of hard work. I had a work mm-hmm. event that was from 3 30 in the morning until seven o'clock at night, and somehow I survived it. And that's not the normal hours I keep for my eight to five job. So it was challenging. Um, Mm. But I also feel like I'm a little bit over it. Like I'm in this season of life slash also the season of this season where Uh I'm like, I'm just overworking. I'm I'm at this point where if I'm going to do work and I'm going to keep working, it might as well be good work. And like, let's just all get on the same page and let's do good work. And this week, I don't, it's not like a mania, but like there's this moment you hit where you're so done with everything that it just like all comes out of you when you're venting to a friend and you sound like you're going crazy. Millennial mania is what we call it here. Productivity, exhaustion, uh, funneled into anxiety. And that reminds me. Burnout. this other person who sings an amazing song about their frustration with the work mm. not happening and also with the work and their partner of the work. And I might have just seen the show. And so that's right. This week I am Charlie singing do or doing Franklin Shepherd Inc. Oh, I love this. I love that. Daniel Radcliffe himself. Yes, yes. Yeah, the boy who lived. Yeah. The boy who lived. The third the time. Boy, the boy the boy who worked the week. This is now a yeah. Harry Potter podcast. Okay. Yes, Taylor. Who who are you this week? What have you been doing? Well, this week I've been doing lots of holiday things. I've been drinking hot cocoa. I made lots of Christmas cookies and took them to friends. We put up our ornaments finally on our tree, even though we've had our tree up for like a month. Um, <laughs> yeah. So because of that, I am. I was going to be one character, but I've already been him. So another character that is very Christmassy and very jolly and helps Scrooge on his quest to become a better person. And that's right. I'm the ghost of Christmas present. That's right. Stay present, everyone, and be <laughs> jolly and merry. This is very funny. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, a dream role of mine in the in the in the Alan Menken version. So. Oh, you know, I me. always wanted to be the ghost of Christmas Future. Ooh. I just feel like I really could do that role so yeah, well. You could. Or I would like to be Marley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel I yeah. also could do that very yeah, well. For sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So if any director is casting Christmas Carol out there, <laughs> cast us in your yeah. show. 
Please. Uh, yes, if you guys would like to join in on our discussion, check us out at theaternerdpod.com, or you can also find us on Instagram and threads at theaternerdpod, and on Facebook at theaternerdpodcast. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next week to talk about the love of my life, Timothy <laughs> Chalamet. <laughs> I had to add that in. Thank you.